Who likes a good mystery? I don't mind a good mystery. Sort of TV shows and movies I, I don't mind. I've, I've got a couple of riddles for you this morning. Hopefully uh, you don't know them but can figure them out. Let's see. First riddle. The more you take, the more you leave behind. What am I? Any ideas? The more you take, the more you leave behind. No. Time? The more you take, the more you leave behind. Oh, maybe. It's not the answer I've got, but uh, it's one of the hard things that there could be other good answers that come out. What else did we have? Uh... Courage. Pardon? Courage. 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 The more you take, the more you leave behind. Well, I don't know if you leave courage behind. Okay. I'll... Photographs. Photographs. I've got footsteps. The more you take, the more you leave behind. Okay. okay. Um, Johnny's father has three sons. Snap, Crackle, and what? Johnny. That's right. That's right. Very good. Uh, what is red and white, red and white, red and white again? Santa Claus in a washing machine. We call that a clean joke. Anyway. Um, I don't mind a good mystery. Uh, sometimes you've got a bit of an idea of what's going on. Sometimes with a mystery, you've got no idea what's going on. You're completely perplexed. Uh, magicians. That's what they're all about with what they're doing. Sometimes giving you a little bit of an idea, sometimes giving you none. And what they, uh, what they rely on is power and skill. So power is their power to distract you over here with one thing so that you don't notice what's happening elsewhere. And of course the skill to be able to do it without you knowing what's going on. Um, would you like to see a magic trick? Yes, oh, well, Liz wants to see a magic trick. Thank you, thank you for playing the part for me. Okay. Good magic trick involves money. I've got this 20 cent coin, I'm going to make it disappear. Okay? Now, I'm not very good at magic, okay? I am preparing a magic trick out later. It's gone! It was terrible. It was. It was. It was supposed to be terrible. But wait, I'm preparing an even better one for uh, for the kids when they're they're back in church and seeds is finished. It's it'll be much better, much better. I'm no magician, okay? Some magicians will be willing, despite their sworn oath, to do a demonstration of how their trick has come together. Because it's not magic. There is a way that it's come together. It hasn't broken any laws of physics or time or space or anything like that. And, and they'll, they'll explain after the fact. God, when it comes to his mystery, all throughout the Old Testament, time and time again, he's put the explanation first. Before Jesus was to come, he has made the mystery revealed. 
all throughout the Old Testament. And so we have, uh, we have the, the joy to come to a time of Christmas where perhaps it's not such a mystery for us. We know about the love, the hope, the joy, the peace. Even for us, of course, we've come after the birth of Christ. And so we, we've heard the stories before, haven't we? How many Christmases and Christmas series and Advents have you sat through? I'm, I'm not, you don't have to tell me. We don't have to talk numbers here this morning. But there's a whole lot that perhaps isn't a mystery for us when it comes to Christmas. So our series, though, is The Mysteries of Christmas. Now, uh, where's the mystery involved here? Well, I, I am relying on God to do the heavy lifting in this, okay? So I, I don't imagine I'm going to wow you, but I do pray that God, in his word, as you perhaps have heard and perhaps you've experienced and know, you know, you, you can read the same verse a hundred times. But that 101st time, somehow, God illuminates and speaks to you in a way unlike before. And, and I do pray that God, in, in all that we know of the messages of Christmas, all the different themes that we do know, that these weeks God will bring, be bringing something out of the, uh, the shadows. Some of the mystery, perhaps, that we don't have already. So, we're going to have a look at certain Christmas messages we know, but also what is the mystery behind that message. So, hopefully there's some surprises, and hopefully there'll also be some non-surprises as well. So, let's pray. Uh, Lord, we do come before you and we ask, Lord, to open the veil, to pull it back, to tear it down so that we can see Jesus, for all that he was, is, and forever will be. Lord, as we understand the story that you have put forth of how Jesus came as a babe, all the things leading up to it, Lord, that you would have a direction for us to live life and to understand you better. Lord, may that be the case for us today. Amen. So the first message that I'm sure we, we all know and uh, appreciate about Christmas that we hear quite often is about love. It's a popular theme for Christmas, love. It's a no, bit of a no-brainer, okay? I'm not expecting to have blown any minds yet, okay? Hopefully not. I think most people love a good uh, love story. Uh, probably the most popular song theme of all time, possibly the most popular uh, movie theme of all time, about love one way or another. I'm sure any day now, between now and Christmas, love actually will be on the TV on one of the channels because it's just a thing that comes up at Christmas time, love. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, I know when I was uh, younger, that at different times, I imagined what it would be like to fall in love. I imagined 
who, who my, my one day life might be. Uh, I, I, I imagine what that moment would be like. Would it be love at first sight? Or whether it be like, a, she's got to really get through this rugged exterior before she sees me for who I am. What's it going to be like? Now, when I say I imagine what this would be like, for, for some guys... It's perhaps a little bit different for, than, than for what it is for, for other people. Um, when I say imagined, it's not like a daydream and imagine. For guys, it's like, a, oh, I wonder what that'll be like. Oh, there's a car. Okay, so, so don't, don't think I'm getting too airy. But, um, but, but I'll admit, I imagine, what will my wedding day look like? Like, I have not planned this in my mind, but... Wow, is it going to be a nice day? Where's it going to be? Is it going to be in a garden? Is it going to be in a church? What's it going to like? Oh, you, you can imagine. Oh, the, the thoughts of what this, this could be like. How many kids are we going to have? Wow. Anyway, these thoughts. Now, my suspicion is that if you've ever been in this position, even for just a split second, you've just thought, I wonder what this will be like. My suspicion is that no one here today was sitting here going, you know what, if I had it my way, I'm going to meet Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is going to make me pregnant. While I'm, while I'm betrothed to marry, so not, not once I've gotten married, but I'm, I'm going to actually get pregnant before then. I'm, I'm sure that's not how you imagined what it would be like. I'm sure you weren't thinking, oh, and, and you know what, we're, we're going to wait to have uh, the special marital stuff before, until after the baby, okay? And, and this guy's going to take me, even though it's not his baby, I'm sure this isn't what the perfect picture of love and, and, and this union and family life was going to look like. But it is the circumstance that Mary... Was given. Now God did give her one favour, and that was warning her. I think that was probably appreciated that it wasn't just sprung on her. Um, he did warn her. Can you imagine what it would have looked like? Can you imagine what it would have been like? Can you imagine telling your parents that the, the father of your unborn child is the Holy Spirit? And no, you can't go over to his house, mum and dad, and tell him off and give him a few words. No. I'm sure you can add this to one of your lists from the Bible that I do not want to experience myself. It's pretty hard to imagine exactly what it would have been like for Mary. It was a different culture. But the, the, the events are recorded for us. And we saw it in our video narrative from Luke 1, 26 to 38. To be honest, uh, the whole giving birth thing is a difficult thing in itself. It's, it's not easy. It's not a lovely business uh, to be involved in. I've, I've been there, okay? I, I can tell you it's hard stuff. You get hungry while you're waiting. You get thirsty while you're eating. You're eating. Some of the things that you have to say, that the untruths that you have to say, yes, keep pushing. Oh, it's come so far. It hasn't moved a centimetre for an hour. Uh, all the while, you've got this person screaming in your ear. I joke. I joke indeed. 
You'd hope in the lead up to a wedding or the birth of a baby that love would be in the air. But you can imagine for Mary and Joseph, that's perhaps not the climate they're surrounded with. Due to their culture, and as Matthew 1 says, to have a baby outside of marriage, not to mention in the lead up to marriage would have exposed Mary. And it's interesting to say that. It says it will expose Mary to public disgrace, which is sad in itself. But let, I, I digress. Let's keep going. Uh, it says, for, for Mary, the angel uh, tells her before she knows what's happening. But for Joseph, he found out first so, so Mary got the warning. Joseph found out first before he had an angel come to him in a dream. So we read uh, for him, before he knows the confirmation of, of God sending an angel to speak to him, before he has that intervention in a scenario for him, it says that because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, but did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So this was after, uh, so, so after this, the angel comes to him in a dream. Um, now you think for a moment, now that's, that's, that's a loving thing. We know, we know love at Christmas, that's a loving thing that, that he's thinking of her and you know, I'm going to do this for her so that she wouldn't be exposed to, to, uh, to public disgrace. But then God actually steps in and stops it despite his righteousness, despite what we might think is a loving thing to do. God comes in and changes the scenario. We know that baby Jesus coming was all about God's love. But here, where exactly is the love for Mary and Joseph in this story and their encounters with the angels? Where is the love in getting Joseph not to save her from this public disgrace. The mystery in love that we're looking at today is in obedience. I don't want to shatter any bubbles. There's no mystery that, uh, that love takes romance. Love takes, uh, like, it, it takes commitment. It, it takes sometimes shared interest and kindness and quality time. And, and they're all very pretty things when it comes to love. But, but love also takes an unpretty thing like obedience. It says in Luke 1, 38, that after Gabriel explained everything to Mary, her response was, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Now when the angel first appeared to her in verse 29, it says that she was greatly troubled and explains that she was afraid. But somehow despite her starting like this, she finishes to say, I am the Lord's servant. It's a very different thing, isn't it? Despite how she was feeling, she was willing to be obedient. Over in Matthew 1, 18 to 25, we see how it unfolds for Joseph. 
So we, we already know that what he plans to do. The first thing it says, though, about Joseph, after the angel appeared to him in the dream, after the angel spoke to him, says in verse 24 and 25, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. It's easy to see that both Mary and Joseph were obedient to God. There's, there's, there's no real mystery there. They were obedient to God in this. Very clear. We know that they still married. We know that they, they still named him as God had instructed that some of their, uh, their expression of love to God, it happened here. Okay, we can see that. But the romantic part, where's, where's that? Where is their love for each other? Where is their love for each other in this Christmas part of this, this, this part of the Christmas story? See, I would suggest they too express their love for each other by being obedient. Their act of love is to see God's will for the other person. Their obedience is to make sure, just as God wills it for their life, that they would see it happen. Joseph Joseph was going to do what he thought was right, but instead he decided to do what God wanted for Mary. God wanted him to marry Mary, to have that support, that security, for them to raise Jesus together. So despite his intentions, he submitted and was obedient to God for her. Mary would be the mother of Christ, that when she kissed the face of her baby, she would be kissing the face of God. In love, romance can Sometimes be easy. Treating your loved ones to special things can sometimes be easy. Sometimes being out at the shop and seeing something, you know, your child or your, even your neighbour who you care deeply for, you see something they like and it's easy just to get it for them. Love through obedience isn't easy. And it's the mystery. Jesus went on to show his love for us in the exact same way. Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, of course, this obedience wasn't to death itself, but it was to the will that God had for his life to die on the cross for us. So even Jesus was obedient to, to God, but that was for us. It was his expression of love for us, that God's will for us is for us to be reconciled back to him. And so Jesus was obedient so that we would meet with the will of God in our lives. I've got a mate uh, 
who I've known for 20 years. And uh, I am sure if I met him for the first time on the, on the street this week and bumped into and had a little bit of a chat, I am certain that we wouldn't be friends. That, that a chance encounter today or this week with this, this guy, if I hadn't met him before, we wouldn't become good mates. We, we, we wouldn't. I've known him for a long time. You know, I, I have to make sure that, that, that I, I make an effort in this relationship with him. I've got to remember, I've got to make an effort to send him texts for his birthday and, and sacrifice some time like, like uh, last weekend and going up and spending some time with him. And, um, and you know, I, I have to make the effort, you know, if I met him on the street today, I wouldn't be as forgiving to him for when he takes Christ's Lord in name multiple times every time I see him. But I am forgiving to him because we have that depth of relationship because as a mate, I love this guy. And I want to see God's will fulfilled in his life. And, I've got, and I am having to be patient and I've, I've, I've thought I've given up quite a number of times. But I've, I've gotten back into that persevering mindset Because I want to see God's will fulfilled in his life. Because I love him so much that I will keep coming back time and time again. Because the greatest act of love I could do is to see God's will fulfilled in his life. That's obedience to God and that's obedience to my friend. If I'm going to love him that much, that I would be willing to serve him whether he thinks it's his best interests or not. This Christmas, as you share in love, as, as you receive love, as you reflect on love that God showed you by sending his son, I want you to make it your goal with any of the ones or the ones that you love to be willing to see God's will fulfilled in their lives. That's obedience, that is love. This is recognising that what God has planned for them is far greater than what they want for themselves. Perhaps even far greater than what we want for themselves. Obedient love is sacrificial. That you seek what's best for them, not just their own will. Love as a feeling can be fleeting. It can come and it can go. Feelings can be dangerous things because sometimes feelings lie to us. We can feel all sorts of things. We can have ups and downs. These days, we can ingest all sorts of substances, which I would not condone. We can ingest all sorts of substances that can give us ups, that can give us downs, that can, that can give us euphoria that we've never experienced before. It's synthetic, it's manufactured. Feelings can't always be trusted. They change. Feelings, now, on the positive side, they bring colour and life to a relationship. But as colours settle onto the paper, things like obedience provide the frame for the paper to live within, for the colours to sit on the paper You might have the most stunning picture at home with these vibrant colours, these vibrant feelings. 
But unless you have someone standing there the whole time holding that paper open, what good is it? Who can see that? Whereas things like obedience are the frame that we can place down, that can hold open, that the feelings can live within and move and flourish. Obedience enables our love the best. Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only who does the will, uh, he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Obedience has a part to play. So how do you go about love? What part does obedience to God's will play in the love that you share with others? For some of us this year will be about you showing love to others by seeking God's will for them. Is there perhaps something that's, that's daunting that might be in front of a loved one that you're worried about? You've got concerns. There's risks involved. What, what, what might happen? I don't know. Oh, I, I don't want to see this happen. I don't want to see that happen. And, and all of a sudden, our will and what we want is taking over for you in seeing God's will in their lives. Is it a matter of seeking that and taking your eyes off all the other concerns? That what you would seek is not to avoid all these bad things, but for you to seek God's will in their life. Is there some way that you need to change what you do so that you can see every one of your steps be a step into God's blessings or his will this Christmas? Or perhaps for yourself, making sure it's not a case that this Christmas is just a pit stop into God's blessings and then taking the rest of the road into your own will. For others this year might be about you showing love to others by seeking the will that God has for them. I've already read that. For some this year... It might be a reminder of how you have sought God's will for others that you love. And it hasn't been taken well or responded to the way that you might have hoped. That it's difficult and relationship isn't what it was. Please know, those who are in this space and perhaps hurting, that God sees you. He honours you and your obedience to love. That you would love them so much and not say or give them the things that they want, but that you would be willing still to be sacrificial in your love and encourage them to follow God in his will. The results of your actions don't change whether your actions were right or wrong in the first place. God loves the love that you've given. In all things, no matter what, 
this love looks like, this obedient love looks like for you this Christmas. Do as Mary and Joseph did. They obeyed and off they went. Obedience takes trust. Obedience takes faith. It takes the enduring love of Christ that has been given to us to carry with us every step of the way through it. I remember when I was younger, themes like obedience were boring. They're not attractive themes. They're, they're, they're perhaps not the hyped up, oh, listen, come to church next week, we're going to talk about obedience. No, that's, that's not, that's, that's not uh, the, the place that obedience takes. It's not, it's not inspiring. It's not often an attractive theme, but to be honest, as I've gotten older, I see such beauty in obedience. How essential it is for us. You know, one of the amazing things about God, right, is that even though he is all-powerful, there are some things that God won't do. And I would suggest there's some things that God can't do. Now, for instance, um, could Jesus heat up a burrito so hot that he himself could not eat it? Conundrum. What I mean, what I mean, right, is that although God is all-powerful, he is also obedient. He won't go against his word. See, because God is truth and he's put his truth for us to find, he can't go against truth. He can't go against his own word. So, for instance, God promises that he will never flood this world again. And we hold on to that because that's a promise. And because God is obedient to who he is, he's not going to do that. God is obedient. I, I had to tell a person um, a, a little bit about this, and unfortunately they weren't interested in listening, but um, I was presented with the scenario. If, if God is really loving, then why doesn't he come down and stop the person who's assaulted on the street? How does that work? How could God really be loving? Well, back before first sin, back when in, in Genesis as he's creating the whole world, before first sin, he sets forth something for mankind. Just after man is created and woman is created, we are given free will. Now, that is essential to who God is. God loves us so much that he gives us free will. But as soon as we expect and demand God to come down and intervene and break that to show no integrity in who he is, despite what he's given us, to come in and break that that he's given us and change free will and stop things from happening just because we think that's the way it should happen. And I'm not saying assault is a good thing. I don't want to see it happening. But as soon as he does that, we're then asking God to have no integrity, to be immoral, to go against what he has set forth, to be unethical, That's not the God that we worship. That's not the God that we want. 
We want a God that is loving and he is obedient in his love. He is obedient to the truth and who he is. We can see it through the life of Jesus as he prays. Even Jesus coming down and being in flesh prays that God's will be done. It's actually a beautiful thing to know that God is obedience as well. Because it enables trust, it enables faith, it enables love in him because we know what we have in him. We know all that we need to know. The mystery is taken out of it. God loves us in this way. Obedient love is special because in our world of chaos and the unknown, we are able to trust and have faith. Just like Mary, not being married yet, being pregnant, not knowing how things are going to be, she is obedient just like God. He has made a commitment to reconciliation with us. And his story is from, from original sin, a bringing back us into relationship with him. And he is always obedient in that to us. So let's show this enduring, this trusting, this faithful love to others. Where we would be so willing to love them that we would seek out God's will in their life. So as your act of love this Christmas, I want to encourage you as I pray, stop and ask God, what is your will? What is God's will for you? In your life this Christmas. Let me pray. And God we do. We put ourselves before you. Put all our thoughts and ideas aside. Lord before the King of Kings. The one who came as a babe. Lord in obedience yourself. To love us. Lord, so that you would see your will for us in our lives realised and made possible through Jesus. Lord, that as we consider the way we love others this Christmas, the way we love ourselves this Christmas, Lord, that we wouldn't seek our own will, but God, we would be obedient to the will that you have in our lives and obedience, Lord, in loving relationship to others to seek out what you would want for them in their lives. Lord, so that they could have the best, not just what they want, but they could have the best that you have for them. Lord, this may this be our expression of love this Christmas. Amen.